Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today. It's amazing to see and hear the testimony this morning of my brother DP in that video. Can I just ask you as a, as a church to pray for my brother DP? He has raised all of his support. He is ready to literally move to India and never come home, except maybe for furloughs. But he lifelong journey moving there. But uh, COVID is much worse there, and he actually can't go. He's been ready to go since March, raised all of his support. And he is praying, waiting for God to open the door for him to go and work in India. And uh, man, I'm just looking forward to that. It's emotional for me. A number of years ago, Mr. DP was my intern when I was a college pastor. And I remember him doing exactly what he said in the video when he came to me and said, Jim, I feel like God is opening my heart to world missions. Is there a book or anything that you would recommend? And I gave him that book because that book so radically impacted my life and the life of Jim Elliott in college. I said, if you're going to read one book, you got to read this book. And what I love about DP is he heard and he saw what God commanded and called him to and unashamedly, unabandonedly said, this is what I'm going to to do. This is where I want to go. I have to obey the Lord. If I don't do this, I will be disobeying the word of God in my life. And it's, it's crazy. I didn't line up this video. I didn't even know they were going to play this video this week, but it speaks to so much of what we're talking about today. If I open up and just ask you a question this morning, how do you know what your priorities really are? If you look at your life, how do you measure and know what your priorities are in life? What you give all of your life to and how you set your priorities in life. I'll tell you, in the last season, man, of uh, quarantine and COVID and everything else that's happening in the world around us, through immense pressure on a number of people, we've seen what priority is for them and what priority is in life. Because under that pressure, a lot of times priorities surface and we realize what really is and isn't a priority in our lives. And I'll share this with you because this is kind of the crux of where we're going with our passage today is that the truth of the matter is our delights or your delights are the things that we love, we meditate on, and are our priorities. They set our priorities. What you delight in. And so that's why I say I love the story of my brother DP because God caught his attention and his affections and his delight was to reach people. And it was a holy anger within him that said, man, it is not right that billions of people do not even get to hear the name of Jesus. And God called me to let the world know about that and evangelize the world and make disciples. So because of that, I am with everything setting my delight to reach the world for Jesus. And because of that, it, it changed his priorities in life. It changed his trajectory in life. It changed where he gives attention and time and everything else. Because here's the deal. We prioritize what we delight in. I'll tell you right now, you prioritize what you delight in. The things that you give your joy, joy and delight in, the things that you love the most are going to end up being the priorities of your life. 
Just think about what you talk about most, you do most, you give most attention to. Uh, all of those things, they will set an action and a priority in your life. Man, if you are a person that, man, I want to be successful more than anything else, you will, by your actions, do all that you can to work harder, maybe even at the detriment of your family, do all the things around you, work more, do everything you can to be successful because that is your delight and it will naturally, naturally make your actions head in that direction and it will set the priorities in your life. Can I tell you, it's the same thing, the same is true for the church when we gather. The same thing is true. What we delight most, what we value most, is what we will prioritize in the body of Christ in this place when we gather. Like, and I hope that you see that what we do, it's not by accident that it's Woodside Bible Church, that the Word of God is the central message or the central thing in our service. From every song we sing, it's pointing to where we want to go in the message, to every scripture we read, it's all about the one message we want to preach in the service. And you're preaching part of it by singing out, and you're preaching part of it by listening, and we're all doing it together as we want to point to one main message that is surrounded around the Word of God because it's central when we gather. And today we're opening a new series on the book of Psalms called Assembly Required. And and Psalms is awesome. If you don't get into Psalms much, you need to get in there more. Psalms is like a prayer book of the church or for the church. It gives us language for our prayers and teaches us how to answer God in our worship and relationship with Him. As we do, literally are almost like songs, uh, a hymnal of songs for the church. It's not simply, as oftentimes it's a proclaimed, it's not simply an individualistic prayer book that you can take and on your own pray through these psalms. No, rather they're highly communal, and it's a dynamic book that we are called to gather and share. Together. Now, I'll say in the last number of months, it's been super interesting. I don't know if you realize that or not, but it's been fascinating, right? And this season, maybe there's someone here today, but I doubt it, that there is in your lifetime, you've had a season where the churches across the country just stopped gathering together. I mean, that is something that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, but it happened. And during that season, it was a season where so many churches scrambled to be online and engaging people with online because we were in our homes on Sunday mornings. And man, can I tell you, I am more thankful now for technology than I was three months ago. Because, man, we would have never been able to gather together while separate in our homes together. And even during that time, while it was super helpful for our church and the church globally, it's awesome. But it was never intended and is still not intended to be a substitute for the assembly of the saints together, to come together under one voice, worship God, come together hearing the reading and the preaching of God's word and submitting ourselves together as one body under that authority today. And I know that there's tons of people that are still unable to gather with us. That's why we're still trying to engage with them online and do that, but it's not meant to be a substitute for that. Unfortunately, even this week, I'm reading new statistics where Large amounts of people are now basically saying, ma'am, church is at home for me for the indefinite future, forever, because that's fine. I mean, I like, why not? I could sit at home on my couch and listen to Jim for 30 minutes and go right in the backyard. I have to come into the service and sit down and do all these things, but that's not the intention of God, 
and the way that he set up the church. And today, we're going to start looking at a series starting in Psalms 1 called Assembly Required, reinforcing this conviction that when we come together today, we're going to see that it's for us, for us to come together to delight in God's word together. We're called as we come together to delight in God's word. We're going to start in Psalm 1 because I think this kind of sets the pace and the tone for us as Psalm 1 is so good and it sets and draws out the primacy and the importance of the word of God. And it says, as Pastor Josh already said, kiddos, it says it sets us on two different paths. As much of wisdom literature does, you know, Jesus was more of a wisdom teacher. We just got done talking about all the different parables. And often in every parable, you have kind of two trajectories. If you go this way, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you are blessed in doing so. And if you don't and you reject... Uh, the other side is not too great, and you see that very much here. There's two. One, you can either value, delight in, meditate on the Word of God and allow it to be the central thing in your life, or you can do the other and set you on a different path. So if you want to look with me, Pastor Alex already read Psalm 1, but we're going to start in verse 1 together, just the first couple verses, and see that the Word of God brings blessing in our lives. Look what it says Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but rather his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, God's law, he meditates both day and night. That the word of God is to bring blessing to us. The, the Psalm 1 starts with almost this blessing. The Hebrew term for blessed here could also be translated happy. That there's one way and one way to happiness in contrast to the opposite way that, that, that the idea of human flourishing and happiness and your greatest joy is going to be found in the word of God being central in your life. And it's, it's a contrast between this blessed person and then this person who's devoid of blessing rather. And fundamentally at the, at the center of all that is the word of God. The thing that sets those two different paths and trajectories in the psalm here is the word of God being at the center of our attention and our lives. And he's pointing out here that a blessed life and the greatest life you can experience and in human flourishing and true happiness is not found in, in moving deeper and deeper into the, the, the circle of, of world re rebellion and, and not taking into account the things of God in the word of God. Instead, the person who finds blessing, the person who experiences joy and happiness is, is the person who at the center of their life is the word of God, the center of their lives. Like everything that they do, it is not only that, as in verse 2 it says, it is a person who the law of the Lord is their delight. And what he's getting at here is the law of, of the, the Lord for them would have been the word of God that they had at that time. And so the same could be said for us here that it is, and I just want you to think for a moment. Does this describe you as an individual? We'll just start going to this place with the word of God as we continue forward. Does this explain you as a person? That you enjoy, desire, take pleasure in the Word of God? 
that you, that you enjoy it. It's your desire that the word here says delight, that you take pleasure in the word of God. Or is it, as oftentimes I hear it says, ah, oh, I have to read the Bible. It's hard and it's boring. Like, dude, read the Old Testament and tell me it's boring. There's some crazy stuff back there. Right? Read the New Testament. I mean, it would be fascinating. It's like the Chronicles of Narnia. You can't tell me it's boring. Like, numbers, maybe. I'll give you a little bit there. Okay? For sure. But I'm just saying, is this explaining you that it's your, you enjoy it, it's your desire, you take pleasure in the Word of God, that the expression here uh, of delight is found in the last half of, of verse 2, and it says, on this law... It, that what is their delight? They meditate on it day and night. That the law of God, that the word of God is such a delight, that it's something that you're meditating on, you're chewing on, you're thinking about. You're, you're, man, you're going over both day and night. Man, this is why we gather together to hear the corporate preaching and reading of God's word that it might instill in us and motivate us to have this not just be here, but be a part of every aspect of our lives. Because here's the culture that we live in. Christian culture, I'm saying. And maybe there's some here that this is your culture. That the way that we experience the word of God is that this. That I have a Bible app on my phone, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, and, and a verse pops up every day. And as I'm driving to work, it pops up and I'm like, man, it just reads some encouraging message like, oh, I feel so good, God, thank you today. That's awesome I got my one verse. I have no clue what the context is or where it came from or what book it's from. I don't even care what it says because it encouraged me today. It's so good. And I even shared it on Facebook, so I feel like I'm doing my job, my part. <laughs> this is not what we're reading here. We're reading that the law of the Lord is my delight so much so that I meditate both day and night. Now, I'm not saying in order to obey this, you have to read the Bible in the morning and the night or you're in disobedience. The idea is an expression that this is explaining what delight looks like. That, man, I meditate. I love this. He's saying this is where, this is where blessing is found. That a life that is uh, responsive to and centered on the word of God is a life that's blessed. And that is why the gathering to worship together is so important together for the corporate and public reading and experiencing of the word of God together. And we gather together as people week after week after week after week for the teaching of the scriptures at the center of our experience together. And I'll tell you, man, my, my job is not so much, and maybe you don't like this, but my job is not so much to make you feel good when you leave this place. Like, I want to encourage you. I want you to leave here knowing, like, man, I can go and do this. And, man, I'm going. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to, like, take the hill. Sure. But my sole purpose is not to make you feel good about yourself when you leave this place. No, my job, rather, our, our gathering should be centered around the word of God, which sometimes just slaps me in the face, which sometimes just hits me to my core. It's, it's our job to come together and place ourselves under the authority of the teaching of Scripture and say, yes, God, that is good, and rejoice in singing, expressing the word of God back to God, saying yes and amen, that's true and right and good. Man, I'll tell you, um, you, you can agree with me or disagree with me. That's okay. Um, you're still wrong. But um, <laughs> now I'm playing. But uh, 
The world, whether you like it or not, and I hate this, trust me, this is what I'm saying, I hate the, like, the world and us, like it's us against them because it's not, and if you have that mentality, come talk to me because it's not us versus them at all. So I'm not saying the world, I'm just saying the culture and everything we live in is discipling you, whether you like it or not. Every day. What you see and experience is discipling you by the news media outlet you watch or listen to, the Facebook feed that you look at, the Instagram feed, whatever it is, the Netflix documentaries and everything else you experience, the political party you're a part of, it doesn't matter. It is discipling you every single day. And I'll just say, for most of us, not most of us, excuse me, for many people in Christendom, we are, and I am at fault of this sometimes as well, meditating and delighting in more on those mediums and counsel more than the word of God. And then we wonder why the church sometimes is where it is because we're being discipled by all of the things that we're looking and experiencing and spending countless hours during COVID, just as I'm, during quarantine. I won't ask you, how many hours did you spend just binging Netflix? Because I spent a fair amount of time myself. And then how much time did you take reading and meditating and experiencing and loving the word of God? And we wonder where our affections are and our delight is, and then we set our trajectory and our priorities and everything else. Right? It's no wonder that many times our lives don't feel like flourishing. They don't feel like joy. And the psalmist is saying, no, here, true blessing is found, centered when our lives are centered on the word of God. And the word brings blessing, and the church gathers to come under the authority of the word of God and receive that blessing week in and week out. And man, can I ask, do you want happiness? Do you want to experience joy? Then delight yourself in the word of God. Meditate on it both day and night. Study the word of God. Do all you can to make the word of God the center of your life that is not just here in this room. If you're just hoping that this room will help you be centered on the word of God, you will fail. That is something that has to be more than that. But verse three, look what it says. He, this person that meditates on the word of God both day and night as a part of their lives, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. So not only does the word bring blessing, but it brings fruitfulness. It will, it will make us experience fruitfulness, right? And imagery here is centered around, again, the word of God, and describes this person that is a fruitful tree uh, producing overabundantly with life and produce. And this tree illustrates how the person who delights in the word of God actually thrives. Like a tree that's firmly rooted next to a, a beautiful river and it's getting all of its nourishment from it. Man, this tree, you ever seen an oak tree like that right next to a river? And you're like, man, it doesn't matter what comes, that thing is going to stand the test of time. And it has. So he's saying, this is what happens when the word of God, it brings fruitfulness. When we are at our center, the word of God is what we center our lives on. Now, there's three kind of descriptions here. He says that, the, that this person is like a person planted by streams of water, that they're located near the source of refreshment, that they have everything they need to produce fruit because they're getting the nourishment or refreshment that they need because they're firmly planted by the river. Not only that, it's a life 
A fruitfulness is described that it yields, that it describes that it yields its fruit in season. I just ask you, if you're, if you're someone that's in the Christian, that you are a follower of Jesus, and you're just frustrated that your life is not producing the fruit that you see in the word of God, can I ask you how much is the word of God a part of your life? Is the word of God something that is refreshing you and it's a source of, of um, joy and delight and God is stirring in you or are you just someone, because I know there's countless people in Christendom that, man, I made a decision a while ago and I've just been kind of going through it and all my friends are at church, that's why I'm here and this is what I'm doing. Or is God stirring in you fresh and delightful things that he wants to call you to do and there's fruit coming out that in this season that's really hard and overwhelming, a lot of people disagree with me and, and all this different stuff, are we responding with fruitfulness or are we responding with, with, with lashing out and brokenness and me and my and I deserve this and my rights are this and all this different stuff or is it something quite different? Because scriptures is quite different. The final is that its leaf does not wither. Right? It, it, it continues on, that there's a, this tree that's centered on the word of God, it's free from the crippling damage of drought. Man, I, I can't stress that enough, that when times come that are hard for the righteous person, they're secure and able to stand in the midst of adversity because their, their life is centered on the word of God, and it's where they get their joy and their, and their, and their, and their nourishment and their satisfaction, right? And it closes out, but it says, he, everything he does prospers. Now, I just want to clarify here a little bit. Many times we get frustrated in the word of God because we see wisdom literature as a promise. This, this doesn't mean that if you are this person, okay, man, all I got to do is start reading the Bible and everything I touch turns to gold and I'll be successful in business and God will give me health and wealth and everything else. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Well, that's not what he's saying, right? Many people over the years come to me and they're frustrated. They say, man, there's a passage of scripture in the Old Testament that's causing me to lose faith. It says that, man, if you bring a child up in the way that you should go, he will not depart from it. And I did, and he's departing. The Bible lied. No, wisdom literature is pithy truths that are generally true. They're not meant to be an exact statement that is one for one. Like, if I just read my Bible to my kid every single night, he will never leave Jesus. That's not true. It's a generalized, pithy truth. And the same is here, that man, what he's saying is like, this person will flourish and experience joy and fruitfulness. It doesn't mean that you'll be healthy and wealthy and everything will be great, right? Sarah and I are, are in the process of trying to sell our home. And so I've been, I've been working on the house, like I feel like forever, quarantine, I was doing a bunch of stuff. And um, I bought some bushes, some of our landscaping need to be updated. And I was working on the stuff outside and I bought some bushes at Costco because they always sell them really cheap when they first come out. And I bought some and I put them where they're gonna go next to my deck, but then I never saw them again for a while because I didn't walk over there and I never put them in the ground because I forgot about it. And I went by there the other day after, you know, the desert came, and it was like 112 degrees for the last two weeks. Super enjoyable. Um, and, and I went over there the other day, and it's like they were green, and they're just brown now. Like, it doesn't matter how much rain's coming down at my home right now, they will never come back to life. They're goners, right? They're just dead as dead as dead. And I think about that. I thought about that even as I was doing this. The same thing is true when there is a famine of the word of God among the church. 
If there's a famine of the word of God in your life and you wonder why you feel dead spiritually, you wonder why you're not interacting in the right way, you wonder why there's, not, there's no fruit bearing, you wonder why your, your family's maybe going awry, you wonder why things are happening in your life, but the word of God has no central territory in your life. And we're just depending on what Jim says or Alex says or Pastor Chris says or someone else says in this room once a week and if you're a part of the national average twice a month for God to fill me up. We wonder why we feel dead and frustrated and overwhelmed and all these different things, right? Here's the thing. I'll tell you right now, our church can have great activities. You can gather large crowds and you can have the appearance of fruitfulness. But if the source is missing, flourishing will never happen. The word of God has to be the center of what we do in this space, that we come together, submit ourselves, and this has to be a priority as well as when we leave this place, right? It's both and, it's gathered and scattered, that when I come together, I'm submitting under the authority of the word of God, and when I leave, I'm allowing the word of God to affect my everyday life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I come together and celebrate on Sunday, or I come together and hope and repent and be like, God, it wasn't that great of a week, but I'm gonna celebrate you anyways, the word of God is central. We gather to delight in the word of God. And then lastly, we only have a couple of minutes here. The word of God brings salvation, as we already know. In verse 4, the wicked are not so. So he's like, there's the contrast. This is what someone who delights in the word of God looks like. This is someone who doesn't. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, and the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So in the final three verses, he just explains a, a, a contrast from those who experience life of blessing and fruitfulness and those who might have a disastrous life because they have abandoned the word of God, which in the word of God, we find the central message of salvation, human flourishing, and all that we can experience in this life. And he continues with this agriculture imagery as he calls them like chaff. So in contrast to a firm tree that's firmly rooted on the edge of a river and nothing will blow it over, rather the person who does not delight in the world has abandoned the word of God where the message of salvation is. They will not stand up in the judgment. They will be like chaff. When you throw it up in the air, it just blows. Unlike a firmly rooted tree that's on the edge of a river. There's no stability, fruitfulness. It's a life that perfit, excuse me, persists and a person who's away from the word of God and away from the central message of Jesus in the psalm. He points out the wisdom of the psalm. Consider this message that we know in this, in the text of the word of God is found the message of salvation from beginning to end. The Old Testament appointing to Jesus and the New Testament attesting to Jesus. In all of it, we find the path of salvation. And this is, again, why we gather. To sit under the word of God is so important week after week, proclaiming the scriptures and the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And it's so good for you to be in the word of God throughout the week, experiencing and hearing about the grace of God and the goodness of Christ, right? That in the text of scripture, we find how Jesus came. He lived the perfect life you will never live. He never made a mistake. And he died the death that you should have died 
and you don't have to now. And he rose from the grave and gave us victory from that if we will but believe in him and make him the Lord of our life. That is the message of scripture found. And that's why we experience blessing and human flourishing when we make it the central part of our life. The gospel is never and never will be something you believed in when you were 12 years old and it should never affect your life. It should be something whenever you believed in it and you confessed and repented and gave your life to Jesus and it affects every day of your life. And that is found in the word of God. Man, today I just want to ask you, what are your priorities? Your priorities will set in effect your actions in life. What do you truly love? Do you love the word? Do you delight in it? Can I just ask you and tell you, if you do not delight in the word of God, the gathering of the saints... I say this in the nicest and most grace-filled way I can. If, if you don't have any love for the word of God, the gathering of the saints, being with the people of God and doing all of that, you need to do some heart evaluation. In heaven, it will be the word of God, the gathering of the saints, and all of that. If that is not what we're longing for now, we need to do some heart evaluation. Heaven will be really boring for you for all of eternity if it's not what you love. Because Jesus declares this is what is true and right and good. Man, and we gather to reprogram our hearts away from the world and towards the word of God. There's two paths. Is the word of God a priority for you? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.